God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word reorients us, reminds us, that your word confronts us and enlightens us, that your word sets us free. Open our hearts and minds this morning to be unsettled and set free. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning. You may be seated. Welcome to Trinity this morning. I'm Jana, one of the priests here. And if you're joining us for the first time, it's a joy to have you with us this morning. When my daughters, Julia and Anna, were about three and four, we went through this pretty intense planet phase. And Julia was trying very hard to sort out how the solar system worked. So one day, she came into the living room to try out her, her hypothesis on where the sun goes at night. And she said, Mom, in the daytime, the sun is really close to us. And then at night, it goes behind the mountain and then goes off in outer space. And I thought, that's a pretty decent observation for a four-year-old. I could see how someone might come to that conclusion. There are points in history, actually, she would be a pretty good company. <laughs> but the sun is really big and really far away. And the earth is really small compared to it, and we are even smaller still. And the earth moves around the sun, not the other way around. And although it can appear that the sun is revolving around us, showing up, to give us light, and going behind the mountain and zipping off into outer space. It isn't. We are, in fact, revolving around it. Today is Christ the King Sunday. And it's the day that we remember that the sun is really big and really powerful. And it is not revolving around us. Rather, we are revolving around it. And actually, having a king is like something you and I are not that experienced with, right? We might have binge-watched some Netflix series on the royal court. Like We might have seen Medici or The Crown. Some of us like to listen to Queen Bee in the car, but in terms of like a government or political system that actually has power over our lives, that comes to bear on how we live in the world, it's a really very foreign way for us to think about the world. We've never lived under a monarchy. We don't even think monarchies are a good idea. We are children of democracy, after all. But... The language of kings and kingdoms are really integral to the narrative of Scripture, particularly in Luke's gospel, which we just read from today. Over and over and over again, we hear in Luke's gospel about the kingdom of God. Questions about when it will come and what it will look like. And who is king? Who is king? And now that question, who is king, is really not a question many of us here are asking, which I think tells us a little bit something 
about our working hypothesis on how we think the world works. But our readings this morning are inviting us into that question. Who is king? Who is king? And this question is answered so profoundly in Paul's letter to the Colossians as we heard. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation and for him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things invisible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, powers, all things, all things have been created through him and for him. And for him, he himself is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Paul confronts us this morning with these words. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And if we allow our readings to interact with one another this morning, we hear in Luke's gospel rejection, a mockery of this reality. The leaders and the soldiers, the one presuming to have power, they're mocking and scoffing the bloody, crucified Jesus. If you're a king, save yourself. How can this be the king? How can this man be the king? Or in other words, an emphatic no to Jesus as king. We reject this king. And really all throughout the scriptures culminating In our gospel reading today, in the crucifixion of Jesus, our story after story after story of people saying, no, we reject this king. And these stories actually run through our own lives. They're not stories about the past. They're stories about us clinging to our hypothesis about what revolves around what. I've got it sorted. I am, in fact, sovereign. And really, one of the most striking things to me about God that's so hard to get my head around is God's response to this kind of rejection. Anybody here ever been rejected before? Everybody. Everybody, right? In small ways and big ways and everything in between, from parents to children to spouses co-workers, and friends, all of us, we know about rejection. You didn't get invited. You didn't get the job. I don't want to be with you anymore. We know about this. We learn this really early on, and actually it defines like a lot of our decisions, both consciously and subconsciously. We know about rejection. And this crucifixion narrative that we heard this morning can be summed up as humanity's rejection of Jesus as king and God's response to that rejection, we are so convinced of our reality that the sun comes close to us to give us warmth and then zips off when we don't need it anymore. And God says, no, 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 no. Reality is actually much bigger and more beautiful and more profound and complex than that. The sun is really powerful and at the center of the solar system, and everything else orbits around it. 
and our life is in fact dependent upon it. And God responds to our rejection by what? By rejecting in return? No. God rejects our rejection. He answers our no with a yes. And God became small. And self-limits. And God enters the story to show us the way. Jesus Christ is God's emphatic yes to our no. God's refusal to receive our rejection. He has answered our no with a yes. Jesus is king. The only king. The king above everything. Above all things. I think much of the reason that we don't think having a king is a good idea is because we can't trust a king. Like, we really can't trust somebody that, have that would have that much power, right? That that person with that much power would really have our interest, keep our interest in mind. And really, like, history and our own lives have told us that to be true, right? Parents, teachers, bosses, presidents, pastors, and on and on have repeatedly showed us that their interests always come at the end of the day before our own. But Jesus has demonstrated quite the opposite in the most extreme way. Jesus is so committed to our interest that he took on our bodies and he suffered deep, violent humiliation And he kept that body on as he rules and reigns at the right hand of God as king. He's a king that we can trust. A king that we can surrender to. And know that our lives are actually in really good hands. I've been reading this really wonderful parenting book called Parenting Towards the Kingdom. And I've been talking to my kids a lot recently about like living our lives towards the values and virtues of the kingdom of God. And a couple of weeks ago, in response to that, my son, who's five, looked at me incredulously and said, you have a king? And I said, yes. Jesus is king. And he said, are you kidding me? I don't have a king. And he took off running. And I think we often live our lives with this underlying hypothesis. Are you kidding me? I don't have a king. Are you kidding me? And it's fleshed out in our decisions and the way we speak to one another and the way we choose our comfort over the needs of others, our own way of being in the world. And it's really also our larger cultural hypothesis, right? I do what I want with my body and with my money and with my time and with my stuff. And although it appears that the sun is revolving around us, it turns out that we are revolving around it. And it's not my body and it's not my money and it's not my time, and it's not my stuff. All of it, all of it is his. All of it is his. 
The theologian Abraham Kuyper puts it this way. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence that Christ, which is sovereign over all, does not cry out, mine, mine. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And this is actually really good news. Although it feels confrontational to our modern sensibilities, this is actually really good news because Jesus is a much better king than you and I will ever be. Jesus is a much better king than any king or sovereign that has ever lived, a king who is good and just, a king that we can trust and submit to, a king that has gone through such extreme measures to be with us and to make a way for us to be with God. So as we bring our liturgical year to a close today, we remember together that Jesus is king, king over all. And may that reality both unsettle us and set us free. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you into a moment of silent reflection. And in this moment, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. King Jesus, would you unsettle me and set me free? Amen.